I think we're live. Um, welcome, YouTube. This is Sunday. What is it? 12, 12, 21. That has some weird mystical significance, doesn't it? 12, 12, 21, the thing's backwards. I have no idea, guys. I'm not Deepak Chopra. I have no clue about numbers. Actually, I was never very good at math, which is why I became a doctor. Um, anyway, so it's me, Dr. Z. Welcome to the show. We're going to talk about anything and everything, but I do want to talk about some chill-out topics since it's Sunday and everybody's lost their damn mind. It's time to bring it back to the only place that actually exists, which is right here, right now, where there really isn't a problem. Uh, and speaking of isn't a problem, so I was supposed to have a guest today, a wonderful guest. Um, they had to cancel uh, because of a family emergency. So the universe just said, hey, let's go live and talk to you guys. I got your comments up here. Um, Beverly Young says, I was just listening to the VPZD show. So that's our new po audio only podcast with Dr. Vinay Prasad and I, and we go through the week's news and we really dive in deep. It's been really, really awesome. It's the kind of podcast I actually like to listen to because we talk fast enough, though you could still probably speed it up a touch for me and slow it down a touch for Vinay because he talks like a an auctioneer somewhere in Texas. Yeah, the thing about COVID is that I have a Omicron. I got an Omicron. Can I get an Omicron? Omicron. Can I get a moo, 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 moo? Um, but it's the number seven science podcast in the nation. So you guys made it that by subscribing and leaving reviews, which is awesome. Dave Rope says, I like it, Zen Dog. I like it like that. So the reason I called this episode Zen Dog is because more and more I'm, you know, I'm meditating hours a day. It's really all I care about <laughs> is the present moment and how to crack through it into nowness, um, because I think so much of our suffering really revolves around us projecting into a non-existent future and a remembered past. And by suffering, I'm also talking about all the suffering we create in the world because our systems and our structures and our societies and our technologies operate on our operating system. And when our operating system is bound in thought and delusion, well, we get the world that we get, right? So more and more, I think this is what I want to talk about and really kind of collide it with health and wellness, collide it with what's going on in the news and collide it with just having a good time. So that's what I want to do. If you don't like it, that's too bad. Or it's too good. Who knows? Um, Shark Alona says, hey, really love your advice. UK has just become, uh, just really been pushing the booster against Omicron. I was under the impression that the booster wasn't able to combat it. Okay, so here, here, here's the best that I can do about this right now, knowing what we know. What booster vaccinations do is they raise your neutralizing antibody levels higher than they were after they waned down from the original two doses. But neutralizing antibodies aren't the only defense you have, right? There's also B and T memory cell responses, and those are much longer lasting. And those are typically felt to be the responses that protect us against severe disease, which is really what we care about. Now, there are some people who don't get that response because they're older, they have immune aging, they have a lot of comorbidities, which means even infection that wouldn't harm you or me would make them very sick. So what do neutralizing antibodies do? Well, they can actually bat down even that infection, including severe disease. So you're less likely to get infected in the first place, but otherwise you're neutralizing antibodies wane over time until you can get infected. So the idea with the booster is you bump those up. Now, 
This is where it's controversial. This is where Vinay and I and Dr. Marty McCary and others have said, you know, but a booster then for healthy people doesn't really make a lot of sense because if they get a mild infection of COVID and they don't get very sick, who cares? Unless they're t caring for someone who's very vulnerable and so on. And that vulnerable person should be fully vaccinated and boosted anyways, because anyone over 50 with comorbidities, anybody over 65 period ought to get a booster. But we're diluting our message and our resources and our social capital talking about boosting kids in college before they can go back to college. This feels insane. Again, we're getting back to like how delusional our minds can be. This feels insane because that's not really the point of boosting. Now, where does Omicron fit into this? It fits in in that the idea with Omicron, the theory, and remember this is just still theoretical because we don't have a lot of great data, is that if Omicron is actually a little more resistant to vaccine antibodies, sometimes you can overcome that resistance just with high levels of antibodies because these antibodies are all over the spike protein. So even if Omicron has 32 mutations in the spike protein, if you overwhelm it with enough antibodies that some of them fit here and there, you can still knock it down. And there's some Pfizer press release data that says that may be true. But then the question becomes, first of all, we don't know that Omicron has more severe disease than Delta. So what if it's milder disease, which is what the South African docs are saying? We don't know yet, it's still early, but what if it's milder disease? Well, if it's milder disease, that means that what you've done is you've taken deadly COVID and you've mutated it naturally into less deadly COVID, more like cold vid. I just made that up. I'm so smart, guys. This is why they call me Zen Dog. I'm joking. That's a really dumb pun. But COVID, which I'm 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 doubling down on this now. COVID means it spreads faster than Delta. Say it's less dangerous. It's maybe a little more resistant to vaccine, meaning you get infected but you don't get severe disease. So vaccinated people do even better because they don't get the severe disease. They may get a little infection, get a little booster of immunity, and this is how you transition from a pandemic where people are dying everywhere to an endemic disease, which is inevitably where this is gonna go because it has animal reservoirs. You're not gonna wipe out COVID. COVID zero is a delusion. So we don't know that Omicron has more severe disease. We don't know that Omicron really evades vaccines you know, a lot. So we don't know that you have to boost everybody. Right? We also don't know that Omicron is going to outcompete Delta yet, although there are signs that it might. So the public health officials have said, listen, this is all about um, getting ahead of this thing. You know, we don't wanna be behind and so on. Yeah, but, but what you're doing is you're making these big decisions without great data that actually do affect people. Because with all the boosters you give healthy people, you will have some cases of myocarditis. So it's not a completely harmless intervention. On top of that, you're diverting public health communications resources, intentionality, and physical resources from getting people the first dose of the vaccine, which is much more important. Those are the people that are in ICU. It's not the unboosted 20-year-old with no comorbid comorbidities. And I think it'd be great if we could see data that says the boosted 20-year-old with no comorbidities somehow has a big community benefit that protects grandma who's double vaccinated and boosted. You know, there's a theoretical benefit, but we haven't seen it in data. So we're kind of flying a little bit blind here and it isn't without its downsides. So that's how I think about it. Now, that, that's not to say that I can't be convinced with data that 
boosters for everyone is a good idea. It might be, right? I haven't gotten mine yet. I'm team Moderna. I got my second dose like end of January. And that second dose had a lot of like symptoms that that's fine. I'm willing to go through anything if I thought I was gonna protect myself against severe COVID. But I think I'm gonna protect myself against severe COVID with my two doses that I got. I'm 48. I don't have a ton of comorbidities. The only thing I have is this clotting predisposition, which I, so I don't want to get COVID. But at the same time, do I think that the booster right now is something that I personally need? Well, weighing it, first of all, I couldn't get it if I wanted to because the, the, the wait for an appointment in the Bay Area because everybody's getting boosters is a couple weeks at CVS or more. But let's say I strong arm some people and I went and got it, like how much is it really gonna help me? And the answer is I don't think a whole lot. Now that may change, right? So this is how I think about boosters. Now your calculation for boosters may be totally different, right? Now, one thing I do wanna say, I think this is important because um, this comes up a fair bit and I think it is crucial. Sorry, I'm just moving your comments over here. Um, you know, Vicky Doc, who's a physician says, I'm not rushing for a vaccine booster. now. Vicky Doc, if you're seeing a lot of COVID patients and all that, you could make the argument that your exposure risk is high. Mine is not high, but your, your exposure risk is high. Um, but if you're wearing, you know, good mask, good PPE, you know, we did pretty well prior to the vaccine in healthcare in terms of nosocomial hospital-induced um, infection. So we know kind of how to mitigate it in hospitals. So you know, it, it, I think now what's the downside of the booster again? It's some symptoms maybe its cost to the society, its public health resources and communication at the expense of other things. People say, oh, we can do all the things. You can't, you've shown us you can't. You can't vaccinate Africa, so variants emerge. So why don't you focus on that? Why don't you focus on really, really, really understanding vaccine hesitancy and getting those you know, 20 or 30 million people that still could benefit from the first dose, get them the first dose instead of shaming them and doing all this stuff and mandating them into reactants, into saying, no, well, now, I'm not, now y'all can screw off, right? Because we've done that pretty good. Um, so let's see, I'm gonna read some comments here. John Zamiska says, Omicron is overtaking Delta and is milder. Well, it's definitely showing up. Now we will see what its doubling time is in the United States. It might work differently in different countries, right? Like Mu, everyone was stressed out because Mu was out competing everything in South America, wherever it sprang up. And uh, now it's nothing. So it, it, it really depends on the environment, super spreader events, the so-called stochastic events, meaning probabilistic, like random events, like, it just so happens there's a super spreader event with Omicron, well, suddenly it's all over South Africa, but would that happen in the US? Now, my suspicion is it, it might, right? I think it is, it's showing itself uh, to be that sort of thing, but if it's milder, right? It's a way out of a pandemic into an endemic. Now it can still kill people even if it's mild because it's a novel coronavirus and people who are completely unvaccinated are at higher risk. That's why I keep telling people, like, if you haven't gotten a vaccine and you haven't been infected before, you really should get a vaccine. Now, pregnant people, that's what I wanted to, pregnant women, sorry. It always, I, you know, this is the problem with watching any media. You start picking up the lingo, like apparently pregnant people is a thing, but it's not a thing. So pregnant women, um, they are at high risk for COVID complications, period. The vaccine 
from all the data we have is safe and effective in them. Now, I have talked to many frontline healthcare professionals who have seen young 20-something-year-old pregnant women with no comorbidities, no other diseases die and their babies die of COVID. Many, 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 many times. So this is a thing. If you're still on the fence and you're pregnant, I know you're nervous about putting something in your body during pregnancy, right? But natural COVID, if you haven't had it, is not a good thing to put in your body during pregnancy. And I would definitely take the vaccine over that any day if I were a pregnant woman, which someday with technology, I might be able to be. Um, let's take a look. Where are we at? Uh, looking at different comments here. Have you ever watched the latest John Campbell in the UK on new variant? It looks good. Potential news is he's a respected peer. Perhaps have him on your show, Chris Lundgren. So uh, John Campbell's a really cool guy. He's got a massive YouTube channel, way bigger than mine. He doesn't need to come on my show. Um, and I haven't seen, I, I don't watch him much. I've watched him initially. He's geared more towards lay people, but I'll say that some of his takes on understanding the literature uh, need a redo uh, on certain things. The, the critical evaluation of literature, um, I take a few quibbles, but other things he's done really, 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 really well. Now I've screwed up a bunch of stuff too. So it's the pot calling the kettle brown. Um, but yeah, I think you should get your information from many different sources. Um, now my hope is, and I'm always an optimist and that's why I'm often wrong. My hope is that Omicron is quite mild. And what that means is, so what my guest was going to talk about today on the show is, um, how we need to stop looking at cases so much in areas that are highly vaccinated. Like let's say the San Francisco Bay Area, 90% vaccine penetrance, right? What do cases mean to us? Well, it means a positive test. We know the vaccine doesn't prevent all infections, but it does prevent a, like 90% severe disease. That still means 10% will fail, right? And they're usually older with comorbidities. In fact, almost always, but not always, but almost always. So. Is looking at cases a reason to close things down or have a mask mandate or make decisions about large events or personal risk decisions? Or is hospitalizations a better measure? Because if you're a highly vaccinated population and you continue to test everybody, which you should do, it's, I think it is important to get a sense of what's going on as the thing transitions to endemic, that's fine. But what you do with that test result matters. If you're quarantining a doubly vaxxed and boosted person who's young and in their 20s for 14 days or 10 days because they tested positive, seems a little excessive, doesn't it? Or shutting down a school because a couple kids test positive when they've been vaccinated, or even if they haven't, but they have mild disease. What you care about are hospitalizations because that's where you start impacting not only deaths and all that, but also the impact on other aspects of hospital care, like how we care for people that in elective procedures and things like that, that aren't always elective. Like a surgery to diagnose cancer is not an elective procedure, but we treat it like it is. Because the, the things are ticking, like you, you gotta do something, right? So um, measuring hospitalizations, and they're starting potentially to decouple. If Omicron really decouples and you just get a, you, a ton of positive people with Omicron, millions of cases, but like just a few hospitalizations, well, 
Are you gonna change a lot of stuff we do in society that way? Are you gonna put tra keep travel bans in place, which were stupid to begin with? I mean, I get, I understand the premise of travel bans, but why you, we already know from coronavirus, if you find it somewhere en masse, it's already everywhere. So that's just how it's gonna be, right? By the time you've seen Delta, it's already everywhere. By the time you see Omicron, it's already all over the US. You know, there was a, a really interesting um, scenario in California recently. Some uh, Kaiser staff had gone to a wedding in Wisconsin. And these are like highly educated, super cautious people at this wedding. They're all medical people, right? A lot of them medical people. Milwaukee itself didn't have like mask mandates or anything like that. So they could have gone out and gotten it somewhere. But presumably they bunch of them got infected at this wedding. They were wearing masks initially. And then I think they started dancing and stuff. And heaven forbid, we socialize, we get together, we love one another in the present moment. After being double vaccinated and boosted, which most of, most of these people were, they did everything right. They came back. Some of them had scratchy throat. They get tested. They're positive. Half of them have Omicron. So everybody's losing their minds. Oh my God, did they expose patients all that? Well, they tested the patients and nobody's positive yet because guess what? We use PPE in the hospital, like good PPE, not the cloth mask BS, like surgical masks. So those guys are doing fine. Was there any severe disease so far? Nope. Mild disease. So the vaccines work. They prevent severe disease. Omicron, whether mild or not, isn't, isn't causing these people to drop like flies. But this made this, okay, so this made the San Francisco Chronicle and there was a big article and one of the attendees at the wedding was an epidemiologist and they were saying, you know, I went to this wedding, I thought everything was good and we took our masks off when we were dancing and you know, this was a terrible mistake. We can't be safe doing this, et cetera. I'm paraphrasing. And I'm like, so let me just understand. I'm just wanna, I just wanna understand. Zendog just needs to know. Here and now, right now in this present moment. Because the person said, if I had to do it again, I would have just sent a card and a nice gift. Okay, so you went in person to a colleague's wedding who is beloved. You did what humans do, which is get together, rejoice and love. You were human. You came back with a mild case of something that's gonna be endemic if it's not already endemic. I mean, I have nothing else to say. And the Chronicle is spinning it like it's this disaster. This is why we're so scared all the time. I mean, we, not me, I don't, I'm not scared. I've been scared for a long time about this thing. I was scared at a moment there. I have, I've had my moments because right? I'm pretty human too, maybe a little too human. So that's, that's what I think of that. Um, Janine Bizanson says, if masks are such a mitigation strategy, why aren't we discussing that any mask other than an N95 is not gonna protect against an airborne virus? Well, so this is the thing. I mean, they're a mitigation, so you're, you're gonna mitigate against droplets. The airborne aspect of the virus, the, re, you know, the fully respiratory transmission, yeah, you're not gonna fully mitigate against it. You might drop the inoculum, the amount of virus you get. And so that is something. So it's better than nothing if you're worried about that stuff. 
But if you really want to mitigate, you gotta wear a surgical mask or an N95. And that's what you wear in the hospital. You don't wear a bandana in the hospital. You don't wear a scarf in the hospital. Nurses aren't walking around wearing cloth masks. If they are, and so that we have to be honest, why are we still talking about cloth masks when now there's more availability of the other stuff? Like why doesn't every American get sent a shipment of two surgical masks if, you're, if you really think this helps? Well, because I think deep down they know it doesn't help that much or they think the cloth mask does more than it, they, than it does or they're right about cloth masks and they're helpful. I mean, all those things are possible, just what's likely. That's the question. Um, Vicky Doc says, no regrets about the wedding. Got boosted with a variant du jour. Exactly. <laughs> they got a booster. They're pretty immune now. Um, now, one of the stories within that story, let's d dive in a little deeper. So there was a pregnant, sorry, a postpartum mother who had a young infant who's too young to be vaccinated. And young, 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 young children like that do have a risk from COVID. So they can be hurt. Matt, you, Matt Crokewell, Crokewell, thank you for the $10 super chat. Um, they can be hurt. So when that person uh, tested positive, they elected then to separate from the child, let the father who was negative and the mother-in-law take care of the kid. And this is a brand new kid. So you know what how traumatic that is for the mother in order to protect baby. Now, I, don't, I honestly don't know whether that's the right answer, right? Uh, I don't know because there are other ways to mitigate. I mean, I suppose the mother could wear a mask, but that's really hard. Or take your chances with the kid and say, you know, usually kids do well, even if they're young, but you know, but I'm not sure. I think if I had a newborn, my risk tolerance would be, yeah, I'm gonna wait till I'm better, but it's tough. You, so you see where it gets a little more nuanced, right? So I can rant and rave about, ah, you know, the risk tolerance and this, but then you have a story like that and you're like, now wait, hold on now right? You have to be careful. Um, but again, it's your own personal risk tolerance and no one can make that decision for you. Treat people like grownups, maybe, although we don't trust people in this country. You know, Public health people don't trust the public. That's why they keep their messaging so idiotic. Oh, they will get confused. They're confused now, dude. Um, Chris Lundgren, I heard a tragic story about a teen that committed suicide in BBC News rather than get COVID-19. He was terrified of living so ended his life and said, so I didn't, I didn't see that, but listen, we have damaged our mental health over this fear contagion. Right? I think that's a good, it's a good, it's a good um, segue to talk about some stuff around personal anti-fragility. Like how is it that we allow our locus of control, like where we think control in the universe is from internally, like us, this, to that. Like somehow COVID is in control. Somehow the media is in control. Somehow the public health and government's in control of me. My employer's in control of me. My spouse is in control of me. The guy down upstairs is in control of me making noise. All of this stuff is happening. And so my external locus of control, where I think everybody is, I'm just a, a, a helpless pawn in the universe, in a chaotic universe, that makes for a very difficult, very fragile living status. This is why kids these days who are over-parented, over-helicoptered, over-protected are told that, listen, you're very fragile, like certain words can hurt you and 
you know, if, if somebody that you disagree with gives a talk at your school, you should deplatform them because that can trigger a kind of trauma for you that can harm you. And that which does not kill you makes you weaker. One of Jonathan Haidt's great untruths, that which does not kill you makes you weaker. That's, that's how we've managed it because we've externalized our locus of control. So what happens, you know, kids these days will actually appeal to the authority figure to protect them against these kind of things. Like they don't like the way a attending physician talks about COVID. We need to be protected from him or her. So they need to be deplatformed by no longer teaching me because I feel attacked. What that does, I think, is it devalues actual bad behavior, like sexual assault, like real racism. Those kind of things are totally devalued because you've overvalued bullshit because we've externalized our locus of control. Now, how do we bring that back in? Well, the first thing we have to realize is, <laughs> the first thing we have to realize, I mean, if we did nothing else but realize there is nothing but right here and right now, and there never has been, and there never will be, and that anytime you start spinning terrible stories in your head or crazy beliefs or you're panicking or you're stuck in ideology or stuck in a view or you're feeling reactance and you're repressing your emotions because you don't want to feel them by projecting yourself into an unexistent future that you think is better than this present moment or remembering in guilt and shame the past, something you said or did or was said or done to you, you are leaving the only thing that exists and you're not really leaving, you just think you are, which is now. So the locus of control, look, at you may not have any control right now. In fact, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. Now has control and it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with what's unfolding right now until you make it a problem. So you could switch off the news or you could continue to watch the news and be like, that's not a problem. Oh, that's interesting, right? If it, if, it, if it triggers an emotion in you, if it triggers a memory in you, feel it. Feel it now and then let it go. Go to the next thing that's happening right now. There's nothing else there. It's just this. It's really just this. Let me take a look at some of your comments. Um, Let's see, some of these comments are really dingbatty and some of them are good. Deborah Campbell, um, I was always told that what done kill you makes you stronger, right? That's right, that's correct. In fact, even death is one of those things that's like, why are we so afraid of that? Like, why is it that we've structured our society around death as a failure so that we let people die alone in the ICU because we're afraid of getting infected or infecting family when we have the technology to prevent that. But even if there's a small risk, someone could get sick, let this person die alone in agony on a ventilator with strangers. Hmm. That's not being here, that's fear. That's fearing an outcome that hasn't happened to avoid what is happening, which is your loved one is dying on a ventilator and some bureaucrat is preventing you from seeing them. So we think this talk about the now is like hippy-dippy hooey or some kind of like Zen spiritual nonsense. It's the only thing that's real. 
And if we actually understood it and inhabited it, because it's not a conceptual understanding, it's an experiential knowing of being. You only can be now. Everything would change. Everything would shift. And you'd see a, a radical transformation. But don't hold your breath because our delusional minds have us in chains. They have us behind bars that we create and we are the warden of. That's why it's so hard to escape. We know ourselves better than we know ourselves. The pattern of mind, of thought, going to thought, going to story, going to belief, going to identity, going to projection, going to memory, going to future projection. If you could collapse it all like a black hole, if the gravity of being here now sucked everything into its event horizon and you were the singularity that is this here now. What's that like? Sam Millman, $10 super chat. That's gonna make my present moment a little happier. <laughs> when is Rachel coming back? You two really helped me through my mental health. So Dr. Rachel Zoffness is coming back this Thursday. We're gonna record a first in a series of a co-podcast we're doing that will have video. Um, we don't have a name for it yet, but we've taken a lot of your questions and comments and we're gonna answer them on the show. We're talking about the biopsychosocial aspects of disease, including pain, including depression, anxiety, mental illness, including physical illness that manifests because we are in this now biopsychosocial creatures, meaning we're biological, we're psychological, and we're social. All those things interact like a vibrating wave to create this experience of being us. So why do we treat disease like it's only biological or it's only psychological or it's only social? When it's not, it's all of those things interacting. So yes, Samuel, thank you for your support. Uh, Rachel will be here soon. Um, Juliana Coca-Cola, how are you? We were at the retreat together. This sandwich tastes pretty good landing into the now. Ooh, I want a sandwich right now. It's lunchtime. It's past lunchtime. Juliana, so after the meditation retreat with Dr. Angelo DeLulo and 30 of our supporters, and um, I mean, my life has been completely transformed, like, I now meditate anywhere between two and four hours a day, not because I feel like I have to, but because it is beyond description. So I get up at four, meditate for an hour, take the kids to school, meditate another hour, do a bunch of work. Then in the afternoon, if I can find time, I meditate. And then right before bed, I meditate. And then in between, I try to focus on being as present as I can. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I watch emotions arise and I react to them unconsciously, but then I watch consciously me reacting. Uh, I can't tell you how that has shifted things for me. And that's why I'm so passionate about this, you guys. Like it, it really is, it's, it's, it's a path out of suffering, not just for me, but for people around me, right? That's why it's not a selfish thing to do. People feel like, well, I don't, I can't take so much time for myself to go on a retreat or to meditate or to practice mindfulness or presence or whatever spiritual practice you wanna practice. It's not about you. In fact, there really isn't a you. 
It's about everything else that you're a seamless whole with. And when you really intuitively know that, when you be that, everything shifts. Um, Chris Lundgren, I'm, I miss going to church. I'm vaccinated with J&J. I started going when they uh, said get boosted. I panicked and stopped going because I felt unsafe till then. Church was important to me. I miss it. Is it safe? Chris, like it's unsafe not to go to something that means that much to you in a spiritual sense. Like you've had J&J. You're protected against severe disease. If you want to get a booster, you're more protected, especially with J&J, which really probably ought to have been a two-dose vaccine to begin with. But, I mean, shutting down churches, I think that created a lot of psychological reactance and instability in people who need that. We need to be with other people. We need to be with something bigger than us. We do. Even the most hardcore atheist needs to be with something bigger than them, whether that's the universe, whether that's a sense of awe, it doesn't matter. We need it. We do. And if we deny it, we're denying a part of what we are. So that, and, and again, you can come at me with that if you think I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. Um, question, is it true, says Happy Ron, that COVID deaths in the US are up this year? If so, why with the vaccines being rolled out? Well, so the main thing that happened this year, Ron, I don't know the exact statistics, but the main thing that happened is we have Delta, which has a um, R-naught value, a reproductive number that's very high so that it can, first of all, overwhelm vaccine protection in some vulnerable people, but more importantly, infect pretty much everyone else. So if you're unvaccinated, which recall in this country, only 70% of adults are vaccinated. Forget about kids. 70% of adults are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So that's 30% of the population. And some of those have been naturally infected and have immunity. So there's some percent of the population that is still quite vulnerable to Delta. And Delta is, I've, I've said it before, you have a date with Delta if you haven't been infected before or vaccinated. You have a date with it. Now with Omicron, you probably have a date with Omicron, but maybe Omicron's milder, we don't know. So um, that being said, that's probably why we see so much uh, increase in deaths is that we have a very contagious, easily spread um, uh, virus. Now, the other thing we need to understand about Americans is we're fat and diseased. So even young people who think they're fine, when you dive in, you realize, oh, they have low-grade hypertension. They're pre-diabetic or diabetic and don't even know it because they're eating crap that we feed them as a system because we subsidize corn and fructose and big food is a garbage, it's like no, no better than big tobacco. In fact, at least, you know, cigarettes had a filter on them. You're not filtering the high fructose corn syrup that floods your liver when you eat it and turns it into fat and an insulin resistant metabolic syndrome. And that's exactly the kind of dry tinder that COVID loves to burn through. So there's that, right? And America's really good at that. Um, you know, because people will say, well, how come Africans aren't dying as much and this and that? They don't have first world problems like being super fat and diabetic as much, right? And they're younger, they're younger. And they, probably, they may have some pre-existing immunity to other coronaviruses, you know, hygiene hypothesis, uh, much less um, 
sanitation and so on. So they're exposed to more things. They have more robust immune system. There's lots of theories why death rate is lower in countries other than ours. Um, Dump Fund One says, hey, corn is delicious and you know it. Dude, bro, I know it. You ever watch the movie Nacho Libre by the guys who did um, uh, Napoleon Dynamite? So at some point, Jack Black's character, they're eating street, like the other guy, Esqueleto, is eating street corn. And he tries to give it to Jack Black's character and he just goes, get that corn out of my face. So every time someone has corn, I'm always like, get that corn out of my face. And then I eat the corn because corn is delicious. And no offense to corn farmers because corn is the bomb. I just don't like it being refined into high fructose corn syrup. <coughs> Excuse me, COVID, probably Omicron. Sammy, question. If the unvaccinated cause a milder mutation, Omicron, then thank God for the unvaccinated. Um, well, it's unclear who caused Omicron. So it could be that it was an immunocompromised patient in Africa somewhere, someone with, H with HIV AIDS, and the thing is just replicating in them and you know, doesn't cause an immune re reaction and generates a bunch of mutations. So vaccinated or not, they're not gonna prevent replication. Or it could have been an animal reservoir because the thing has so many mutations, it was unlikely just to be spreading person to person randomly mutating. It, it's more that it happened in one of these kind of scenarios, going to animals and back and generating a ton of mutations that way. So I don't know that the unvaccinated can be credited with a milder Omicron. Um, yeah, so, um, but it's a good question that you ask. Greg says, uh, not enough mention of staying healthy and taking vitamin D. So I don't know about taking vitamin D, Greg, unless you have a deficiency because the data is really equivocal on that. But getting good you know, sun exposure, getting out, exercising, eating right, getting your vitamins from food, probably a great thing. Now, American food is garbage food. So you often can't get all your, you can have vitamin deficiencies, but that doesn't mean you need to take supplements. It means you need to eat better food. Unless you're economically disadvantaged, in which case you can't afford better food, in which case they ought to be subsidizing supplements for you. <laughs> Just simple, you know, so you don't have rickets from vitamin D deficiency. If you're, you know, African-American living in a Northern latitude, not getting sun, you know, it's a big deal. Um, vaccine passports for animals, the mad uh, master, I wouldn't put it past them. Like you couldn't take your emotional support chihuahua on the plane because it wasn't double vaccinated and boosted. Um, vaccinate all the squirrels in your tree, mad master, right? Just go around, just. <laughs> this little squirrel, you know, squirrels got myocarditis now. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? It's a one size fits all solution for squirrels. Boris and Natasha. Squirrel is vaccinated, double boosted, squirrel. Chris Lundgren, I'm diabetic, well-controlled, A1C 6.3, congratulations. Vaccinated and was going to church, not fat, um, but thank you, doctor, for making me feel safe. Safer, your kind words are blessing me, thank you. Bless you, Chris. Um, I think it was, you know, something that, miss, that I missed in my life growing up kind of as a agnostic that uh, I never had that church experience, you know? And uh, now I get that experience at like a meditation retreat where you feel the intensity of 30 other people there for this purpose of diving inwards to connect to this present moment, which is our pure being, our real identity, our nature, right? 
And uh, it, it's indescribable. It's indescribable. You can't, you can't even open your mouth about it. Um, Dave Rope, I know a buttload of crap about that. <laughs> you, 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 you do talk like the Napoleon Dynamite guys. Why don't you eat a decroted piece of crap? I'm, I'm really just kind of T.O.'d because La Fonda wouldn't send me a full body shot. Napoleon, while you were out playing with your friends, I was chatting with babes online. Um, Sharon Grabovac, dude, I was spending hours barely dressed in the sunshine without sunscreen and my D level was the shit, 24, that's low. Sharon, so Sharon, are you like fully Caucasian? Like maybe you need, you gotta be careful too because if you're fully Caucasian, that amount of sun exposure will cause fine lines, wrinkles, and skin cancer. So for you, maybe a, a supplementation makes sense. Talk to your doctor, talk to your doctor, please. Don't listen to me, this is not medical advice. Eric, can you elaborate on Marty's point that continuously boosting and monitoring variants will result in hysteria? Oh, I don't have to elaborate on it. You know, search your feelings, Eric. You know it to be true. That's what we've done. Like how quickly did the r not of fear, the fear not, reach 27 Omicrons, right? Callum Williams, who is a supporter tribe for seven months, says six months as a supporter. It says seven months. You're, don't cut yourself short, Callum. Thanks to everyone who supports the show, by the way. You guys, you, you don't understand how important you are. Like, I don't worry about sponsors. I don't worry about ad revenues. I'm off the treadmill. At any point, I could tell Facebook to go F itself because between locals, YouTube, and Facebook supporters, you fund all this. You fund my team. You fund our production right? You fund my hookers and blow addiction. These are important things. Talk about living in the present. There's nothing as now as hookers and blow. Chicken woman says, I have skin lupus and I avoid the sun. Supplements are a must. There you go. That's why there's no one size fits all, right? Melissa Bradford, a member for 24 months. You are awesome, Big Mac. Ricardo Dos Santos Nortman, great impressions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Get that corn out of my face. Um, Bonnie Speck, if we put half the effort on getting healthy as we do on vaccines, half the deaths could have been avoided. I'm, I'm with you. I think vaccines are important because we need them now, but could we talk about this stuff? I had David Katz on the show. He was the president, former president of the Lifestyle Medicine Association. It's, this is the conversation we need to have. We are a sick, diseased people. Mentally, physically, socially, technologically, we're sick. We're sick and the worst part is we don't really know it. We know it intuitively, we know it in our hearts. We know it right here in whatever chakra this is, the sternal chakra, but we're not doing anything about it. Some people are. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. We can only try now. Yuratora TK sent me some super chat. Lots of love from Melbourne, Australia. Tom's too vexed and boosters due soon. Sorry, the accent went off the rails there. Have anxiety after lockdown. Lots of friends lost to misinformation. Is it normal when super anxious to lose all sense of self and become super focused on tasks? Yes. 
it is normal because those tasks are happening right now, whether you're writing or you're doing your dishes. There's a saying in Zen, practice enlightenment. And Zen is life. And before enlightenment, chop wood, sorry, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. The act of doing something in the present moment takes us out of the delusional thought stream and into the now, into the act, into the textures and the colors and the tastes and the smells and the sights and the sounds and the sensations in the body. Do it now, do it now with me, do it now with me. Whatever you're doing, if you can do it safely, just let your attention drop out of your head and into now. And it can be as simple as take a deep breath in. And when you breathe out, you're here. How long is it for you before a thought intervenes? This is dumb. Is he frozen on the screen? Man, I got stuff to do. This is uncomfortable. Watch that. And the more you do that, the more you're aware of those thoughts instead of identifying with them, getting sucked away on the train of thought to a destination that's nowhere because there's only here. Rhonda Parrott, thank you for the super chat. Um, Dave Rope, this show is sponsored by the Supporter Tribe. That's right. Chris Lunger and I agree with you, doctor. We are sick. Speak the truth. We are sick and some will say this, but most will not because it's not in our best interest to focus on how sick we are because we're just trying to get through the day. But the truth is there's no way out unless we turn in. There's no way out except turning in because then we wake up, when we wake up, everything changes. Suddenly things we thought were problems are, what, that was a thing? And everything starts to change. Yeah. But we have to do it together. We need more than a few people to wake up. Otherwise our systems never change. Alina Carroll, recently when I move to now, I start feeling really anxious, why? And how do I fix it? Elena Carroll, oh, what a good question. So when you move to out, so, so you do what I did and you drop into this. What is the anxiety that you're feeling? Where is that? Where do you feel it in your body? What does it feel like? Dive your attention into it and see what it is. Is it a thought? If it's a thought, mm, recognize it. Go, oh, that's a thought. What else is here? What else is here? Disengage from the thought, go right back to now. If it's a sensation like butterflies, like pressure in your chest, like a fullness in your head, feel it, feel it. Feel it fully 
without making it a problem, without the label of anxiety. If the label happens, that's fine. Oh, there it is, that's a thought, anxiety. Uh-oh, I'm worried about this. Oh, that's a thought. Cool, a thought, let it go right back here. That's meditation. And you don't have to sit in a chair. You don't have to join a monastery. You can do it on the bus. You can do it in your car. You can do it at work before you see the next patient. You can do it on the pot, taking a number two. Now, for some people, when they, for many people actually, myself included, when you really are present, when everything drops and it's just this, and you're living, inhabiting being in the space between thoughts, which is the space that is you. That's what you are, is that awake isness between thoughts. Thoughts are simply modulations of that. They're made of that, but you're not a thought. So what are you? When you drop into just that, it can feel scary because we're so used to grabbing the next thought, riding the thought train, that when we jump off the thought train into open awakeness, it can feel really, you can feel a fear response in the body. That's totally normal. It's actually encouraging. It means you're doing it right, even though you're not doing anything. This has always been here, this presence, this awakeness. Try to let go of it. Try to let go of being aware. Try it. You can let go of thoughts. You can even let go of sensations. Close your eyes. You can change them. You can let go of a taste. It disappears. What doesn't disappear? What's always here effortlessly without any intention on your part? What's aware of everything I just described? Look for that and rest in and as that if you can. Dr. Angelo DeLulo has great videos on this. His book, Awake, It's Your Turn. We've done shows with him. It's doable. It's not just doable, it's amazing. When I say that I meditate for so many hours a day, that's what I'm doing, more or less. I'm sitting. I take a few minutes to focus on the breath, to calm my mind down, let the thoughts kind of settle down. If the thoughts are there, watch them and let them go. Be aware, count the breath if needed to get in that pocket. Inhale, exhale one. Inhale, exhale two. Cover the breath, the sensations of the breath at your tip of your nose or in your belly or in your chest, wherever you like. Cover it with your attention, become the breath almost. Nobody watching it, you are the breath and count so that you make sure you're in that pocket. And if you lose count, start again. When you get to 10, start back at one. That's how you start. And once you're really good at that, you can move on. But ultimately, what I'm often doing in meditation is seeing if there are thoughts, letting them go, and sitting in the space between thoughts whenever I can. I'm doing it now. And at times that can feel disorienting. It can feel amazing. It can feel scary. That's all normal. Keep 
going. That's just a thought. Scary, that's a thought. Sensation, feel it, let it go. What's next? What's here now? What's here now that you cannot let go of? That's the practice. Chicken woman, some say meditation is non-Christian. This is an excellent comment. Yes, some do say that. Um, I'm not a Christian, but many, 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 many people I know who are Christian, devout, meditate. They feel it's not only con concordant with Christianity, it's actually super helpful. Many of the people at this retreat were Christian. Some were actually in very, very conservative churches, but felt called to do this and felt they had a renewed and improved and deepened understanding of passages in the Bible because Jesus is an enlightened being. There's actually a book called Resurrecting Jesus by Adyashanti where he actually goes through the Jesus story as an enlightenment story. It's really interesting if you're a Christian and are interested in that. Um, so again, not being a Christian, I can't tell you how to do your religion, but I will say that the every evidence that I've seen so far is that they are not just compatible, they are not two. Yeah, like Illich, Illich uh, 721 says, who says meditation isn't Christian? Well, some people do say that, I think, if you're a little more orthodox. But, I mean, there have been Christian mystics throughout time, Meister Eckhart, etc. Um, Whirlybird, hey, Doc. Thoughts on the lack of investigation into the origins on all this. Don't you think those exposed to or inoculated with this deserve to know? Learning opportunity and justice. Well, Whirlybird, I, I think... I think you, you, we have to try to figure it out because yeah, there's justice and yeah, there's all that. There's also, we don't want this to happen again. And Marty McCary spoke pretty well about this on the show we did with Vinay Prasad, so I won't rehash all of it, but he basically says, we may never find out in, unless we were able to actually get the original employees in those Chinese labs and interrogate them and positively waterboard them. You're not gonna find out because everything's been burned and covered up if, it's, if it happened that way, right? And no, I'm not saying that it has, because I just don't know. But I'll say that we should try to figure this out. If it was a zoonotic animal to human transmission, figure out where the source was as best you can and try to prevent it from happening. If it was gain of function research, outlaw it forever and ever and ever and try to find some justice. So yeah, I agree with you. Danny says, uh, it's easier to hear spirit when you can get your monkey mind to shut up. Prayer is meditation, yes. Yes, yes. I had some experiences at the retreat that were so profound that if I were Christian and I was filtering those experiences through that particular set of beliefs, I would have had no doubt that God spoke to me or Jesus's love was coming as light through my chest. Like I would have had no doubt. I would have come back ready to go to church seven days a week. These are real experiences that humans have. And to deny them, I think, is anti-scientific, honestly. 
Andrew D'Angelo. Oh, D'Angelo. I want some of your brown sugar. Ooh. Um, remember D'Angelo? He was all cut in the 90s when it wasn't cool to be cut. Actually, it was. They called it cock diesel in those days. Yo, I'm cock diesel. I don't know what that means. Andrew D'Angelo says, I grew up Christian. Prayer is the same as meditation. Yep. It sure is. I think so. In fact, there are prayers even in the non-theistic um, religions like Zen, where you know they're just like devotional. You know, you're 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 praying to truth, to living truth, whatever that is, to show itself, right? Where'd you get your hoodie? Oh man, it's a good question. I don't know. I'm gonna put it on. Oh yes, I'm afraid this battle station will be quite operational when your friends arrive, Emperor Z-Dog. Um, I don't know where I got it. It's cashmere though, because I'm bougie like that. My wife got it for me. I used to use it for talks and stuff when I was traveling. Barefoot Colby, what do you think about the Pfizer report to the FDA on the first 90 day safety data? What are your thoughts uh, that it had to be uh, ordered, released by a judge, or is that true? You know, I haven't looked into that. A lot of times there's some misinformation component there. Um, believe me, I would have heard from vaccinologists if that were true, because, you know, we all are taking this vaccine. Everyone's skin is in the game here, right? Um, so we don't, nobody wants cover-ups and stuff, believe me. Elizabeth Price, I was told by a pastor that praying is talking to God and meditating is listening to God. <gasps> Ooh, I like that. That's a good pastor. What? That's really good. I like that. I really like that. Sean Heath, are you familiar with Ken Wilber's work deeply? In fact, my conception of alt-middle, where everything is true but partial, you're trying to find truth and reject shadow, where you're trying to nudge people up developmental levels from you know pre-rational to rational to trans-rational, that's Ken Wilber. So Ken Wilber's integral theory, which built on spiral dynamics, Ken Wilber incorporates spirituality as one of the lines of intelligence that require growth, as well as our socio-techno-economic surroundings, as well as our internal growth, physical, mental, mathematical, intelligence, spiritual, all of this. Now, Ken Wilber was trained as a Zen guy, so and he is awakened. So there's that. Now, he has some interesting failures, and Integral had a lot of issues, but it's still correct, I think, more than it's not. It says, it's more true and less partial than most frameworks for understanding human uh, evolution and the connection between science, social stuff, politics, spirituality, the arts, they're all integrated in this model, which I call alt-middle. It's not a political center, it's alt-middle. It's integral, Ken Wilber integral, spiral dynamics type stuff. We'll talk more about it. We've talked a little bit about it before. Um, Angela's photography, early Christians meditated. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Mike Zenker sounds like holistic with a W. Yes. In fact, Ken Wilber, I think, coined the term holon, H-O-L-O-N. And a holon is what he calls a unit of reality. Everything is made of holons. A holon is both a whole in itself and a part of a bigger whole, like a fractal. 
Like a fractal contains both the whole of everything and is just a part of a bigger fractal. That's reality. So a human is a holon, meaning we're a whole in ourselves, we're autonomous, we're independent, we feel separate, we feel like an agent, a free agent, but we're also part of a bigger whole. We're tied deeply to the earth, to other humans, um, we're tied to society, we're tied to our ancestors, um, we're tied to our children, so we are part of something bigger. Whole and a part of a whole, that's a holon. And when you look at any holon, it has four quadrants of reality. And right now we don't, we don't look at that holistically. So looking at something holistically, looking at a holon holistically, a human say for example, or COVID for example, means looking at its four quadrants four aspects of its reality, all of which can't be reduced to any of the others. They're all necessary for the whole. And those quadrants are very simple. It's basically the individual and the external. So those are like the two halves. And then within that, there's individual internal. So what's my own conscious experience like? And Wilbur argues that every whole on has an internal experience. So everything's made of consciousness ultimately, and it has its own internal experience. Then there's the you know, individual collective experience. So that's the inner subjective we experience. So language, um, socialization, customs, body language, those kind of things, communication between two humans, inner subjective communication, that's another quadrant. So that's like, you know, I and we. And then there's the experience of the individual outside of the internal experience. So the body, that's it. And then there's the collective external experience, our society, our technology, our cities, our systems. Those are the four quadrants. I, we, it, its. And that's what makes up a whole on. So if you're gonna analyze any problem, you have to look at all four quadrants. In medicine, we only look at one quadrant, it, the body. We ignore I, we ignore we, like what's the dynamic with the patient, and we ignore it's, the socioeconomic status of the patient and their social obligations and pressures and poverty or lack thereof, and more. What's technology doing to them? What's their job doing to them? What's their environment doing to them? That's holistic. That's what it means to be holistic. And that's alt middle as hell. Can you have Dr. Drew only as a guest? So I was on Dr. Drew's show a while back uh, about talking about COVID stuff. It was fun. I actually like Drew. He's a little kooky, but I like him. I like him. Uh, yeah, I guess if he'd do it. Um, it'd be fun. Uh, Mary Mayo. For people of faith, uh, I recommend a book called Into the Silent Land by Martin Laird. Okay, I'll let you guys check that out. Bonnie Speck, it's a holistic approach with a W, whole, W-H-O-L. Um, bye, Melissa, see you later. So let's see where we're at here on time. So we've got about 800 people watching. Um, should we? Should we wrap it? up. Well, let me make sure I got the super chats tagged in here because uh, I want to make sure I don't miss anyone. 
So more too much says, sends some uh, super chat and says, how do you feel about Pfizer not revealing the fetal tissue in testing for Christians? So, okay, let's talk about fetal testing. That's a good question. Now, I did a piece on this a few months back. Um, there's a couple ways to use fetal tissue. Okay, what is fetal tissue? How does this even relate to anything? So back in the late 60s, early 70s, um, there were a couple of electively aborted fetuses who were the source, this was done legally and electively, was the source of the cell tissue that was then immortalized and used for a lot of medical testing for decades. So these two fetuses were sacrificed, right? But their tissue lives on for decades and is used to test drugs, it's used to grow uh, protein. You can do a lot of different things. Now, where this becomes ethically difficult for some Christians and other religious people who have an opposition to abortion is they don't want the moral taint of abortion involved in something they put in their body. Now, the Pope and others have actually weighed in on this. And the Catholic Church has weighed in on this and say, and they've said, the, if this is true, the moral downside of the original abortion is outweighed by the benefit and life-saving benefit of the current use, right? But it doesn't condone the original abortion. Now, this is where vaccines become interesting because some of the live vaccines uh, can use fetal cells for testing and so on, but, but the Johnson & Johnson might've been actually developed, I forget the exact details of this, it's in my video, might've been developed using the fetal tissue to actually analyze the, you know, the, the uh, what do you call it? Um, the vaccine viral vector, et cetera. And so there's a kind of a direct use there of those cell lines, which again, the Vatican has said that's okay. But the Pfizer and many other drugs like Tylenol, your toothpaste, like a billion things you use daily have been tested for safety on cell lines that were originally derived from those aborted fetuses. And so some people still have a problem with that. Now that to me is much more remote of an issue because you're not actually using the cell line to develop the product. You're using it just to make sure it's not killing human cells or something like that. So that's how you think about it right? Um, and I would refer you to my, you can search fetal on my website, zdogmd.com, and you'll see that video come up and you can find it there. So it's a good question. Um, Tyrone Futter says, hi from South Africa. I was wondering where the currency was, the ZAR 140 from. Thanks for the super chat. Um, Thank you for your support of our scientists and criticism of travel bans in your view. If they updated the vaccines, would that reduce breakthrough infections? How much does uh, two times Pfizer reduce the risk of long COVID? These are great questions. So first of all, I'm so sorry our government has got its head up its ass so far that we're torturing the South Africans for doing good science with a travel ban right before the holidays. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. Who does that? It makes some people feel better and it destroys lives. It stigmatizes a population. You know, they, they, they would make fun of Trump for using the term, you know, shithole countries. But then this current administration actually treats them like that. Treats countries like that. 
with this travel ban that does no good for anyone because Omicron's already everywhere. So on behalf of me, I apologize because I can speak for no one else. Um, now, that being said, you asked about updated vaccines. Would it uh, reduce breakthrough infections? Probably not with Delta. The sense is that the vaccines are good against Delta. It's just that Delta replicates so much that since it's a mu these are mucosal viruses, you'll still have breakthroughs. They're not really breakthroughs. The vaccine is really designed not to prevent infection. It's designed to prevent severe disease because these viruses re reproduce in the nares and in the nasal passages and the mucosa. So unless you had a nasal vaccine, like a flu mist type of thing, you could still get infected, but you're not gonna get severely ill because it can't get into the blood. It can't spread. It can't cause severe disease because by then your memory cells fire up and your bloodborne um, antibodies kick in and you do okay. So would an updated vaccine make that better? Probably not. Now with Omicron, we don't know because we don't know whether it's um, you know, resistant enough that it's gonna require its own vaccine and what whether that would benefit severe disease. That's all we care about. I don't care about infections. I really don't. Um, how much does the two Pfizer's reduce the risk of long COVID? So this has not, interestingly, has not been directly studied. Theoretically, it should. Now, if there's data on this and I'm not aware of it, please point it out to me, but I haven't seen the data that says that vaccination reduces long COVID. Now, but this is how it does, if it does at all. It reduces infection because people say, oh, they don't stop infections. Yeah, but they still reduce them. So there's still a five to 10 fold reduction in infection with Pfizer vaccine. So by not getting it in the first place, you're less likely to get long COVID. By reducing the duration of illness, probably less likely to get long COVID because Probably long COVID comes from a um, exuberant response or a prolonged illness or something. We don't know, actually. That's the problem. That's why I'm waving my hand so much because nobody, I'm telling you, we don't know. But it's a great question. And we ought to answer this question. It's not rocket science, really. We could answer this question. Um, let's see. Here's a good question. Vic. If I've been vaccinated and boosted, why am I still supposed to wear a mask? Because people are idiots. That's why. I'm sorry, that was that was not very zen. Let me take that back. That was my emotional response and frustration. If I'm gonna name an emotion, I'll name that frustration. And then if I dig even deeper, what beliefs do I have <clears throat> that caused me to say that? Let's get zen on this for a second. What beliefs do I have that caused me to say that? Well, I believe that our public health response has been incorrect in actually getting people to get vaccinated because we've taken away any incentives to do so. And an incentive to do so is taking the mask off. Now the public health officials, so that's my belief is that we were wrong. Therefore, when you ask me, oh, why do I still have to wear a mask when I'm double vaccinated and boosted and all that? And my response is because people are stupid. What I mean is public health people are stupid at messaging. And that was an emotional response that was biased by my belief that they've made a mistake. Now, why do I believe that? There's deeper beliefs. My belief that <clears throat> infection is not a problem, severe diseases. Cloth masks don't do a whole lot. Um, mask mandates uh, in the setting of vaccines might reduce vaccination rates because people don't see an incentive to get vaccinated and being vaccinated is much more protective than wearing a cloth diaper on your face. Um, we were doing fine without masking when California lifted mask mandates after vaccines for vaccinated people. I was walking around without a mask and it was great. And if I got infected, but I don't get severe disease, it's worth it to me. 
long as I'm not making a vulnerable person sick because they hopefully have gotten vaccinated and boosted. So I think it's silly. I think we should be able to take the mask off if you're, and, and I, I don't wear a mask whenever I can get away with it, but in the Bay Area, it's mandated. So there's that. Ryan with the super chat, hypothetically, if you had a patient with lupus, dermatomyositis, congestive heart failure, lung damage, and kidney disease, would you suggest that they get a COVID vaccine? And if so, which one? Oh yes, a thousand percent, because they're at risk, high risk, infinitely high risk of complications from COVID, especially with the CHF component and the lung damage and the kidney disease. You are, they are, this person hypothetically is, is so likely to have, um, complications from COVID as to be in the highest risk category, apart from age. So the vaccine in that group has not, was not directly studied, but at this point, hundreds of thousands of people with those conditions have probably gotten this vaccine and have done it fine. And there's no data safety signal that says you can't get it. So I would get, I would run to get it and I would get an mRNA vaccine. I wouldn't mess around with J&J. It's just not, it's not gonna, it, it's not gonna be as effective as the mRNA vaccines in a high risk person, right? So. I would just get that. And I would get, personally, I'd get Moderna because Moderna is a higher dose. It seems to hold up better even against infection than Pfizer. And I just like the name Moderna better than I like the name Pfizer. So that's my bias. And I got Moderna through just luck. Tyrone again says, there's a video on YouTube called Microclotting is the Cause of Long COVID. Haven't watched it fully yet, but it has lots of likes. Please check it out. Yeah, the, the, nobody knows what causes long COVID. And this microclotting thing is a lot of hand-waving by pathologists who you know don't actually take care of patients on the front line, meaning a pathologist who said this, um, who's a bit of a kooky kook. So I, I'll, I'll try to check it out. But then again, maybe I won't because there's so much... Everybody's a, a, an expert, including me. I'll take credit for being a ding-dong and being wrong a lot. Mason Squad says, mandates are damaging confidence in public health, which will probably hurt us deeply in the future. Doctors need to speak out loudly. The damage to young kids is too much. Well, so, I, okay, I don't know about damage to young kids, but I'll say mandates are really damaging. Um, I understand why they're there. I actually think people who are doing them with good intent, I think they really think they're helping. I disagree. I think that they're causing psychological reactants. I think that you will get people vaccinated with mandates. Yes, you will. Um, so on whole, maybe they'll save lives, but down the road, how much political and social capital have you spent doing that? And how much damage have you done to vaccines in general that now kids are gonna get sick because they're not getting their childhood vaccines because their parents are having psychological reactants to being told what to do about their bodies. So I think it's a bad idea. Welcome Nate, Pastor Nate to the YouTube Super PAC. Nate Dogg is a uh, supporter on at least Facebook. I know that. Um, Pastor Nate is awesome. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find some comments here. Ryan Loshaw says, the school, uh, our schools are saying my 16-year-old needs a booster. Healthy kid, no past medical stuff. Let's just, Okay, I'm gonna try not to react emotionally to that. And I'll try to react, because I watched my emotion rise and I was like, don't do it, Z. Be Zendog. The title of this thing is Zendog. That is not in keeping with data. It's not in keeping with what I believe is good public health practice. It's not in keeping with science as we know it right now. And that's all I'll say. Boosting a healthy 16-year-old when 
tons of at-risk people haven't even gotten one shot. Shouldn't all our resources be focused on that? And shouldn't we be met? So, so for this, this is the other thing. And Paul Offit, my friend Paul Offit, big vaccine proponent, co-invented a rotavirus vaccine, been on the show many times, has said this. He said, what are we saying about the vaccines that we're pushing boosters on healthy people? We're saying they don't work. That's what people are hearing. So not only does this booster push do no good for young people, it backfires in the sense that it sends a message that the vaccine doesn't work. So the people who actually couldn't use the vaccine, older people, people with chronic disease, people over the age of 30 or 40, aren't gonna get them because they're just tired of this and they think it's a slippery slope where you're just gonna have a freaking punch card, a little frequent flyer card full of vaccine boosters. It's dumb, it's bad bad messaging, bad public health. We've learned nothing from like public health in the past and how you get people to do what you think is a good thing. You don't do it this way. So that that's what I think. No, you're not crazy, Ryan. You're sane, you're one of the sane people. John Fox, what do you think has to happen before CDC stops making us mask or children in schools? Um, new leadership at CDC? I don't know or enough people get vaccinated and the thing becomes so convincingly endemic that they back off. They've done it before. After the first round of vaccines, they backed off on mass mandates. So we know they can do it. They've set a precedent. So let's hope they stick with it, the precedent of backing off. Jordan McGregor of the clan McGregor from New Zealand sends, says hi from New Zealand. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Listen to your interview with one of our radio stations around vaccinations. It was excellent summary. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I New Zealand radio station reached out. They're a big one in New Zealand. And they said, um, hey, could you speak to vaccines? We have a hesitant population. This thing's rolling out. This was a few months ago. And I did it and it was a lot of fun, but I never got any feedback on it from anybody. So you're the first person who's told me they heard me there. That's great. That really means a lot to me, brother. Kay Dizzy. Uh, sent me some Canadian money, which is not good here in the States, okay? Thanks for your support. Says, hey, Z-Dog, have you heard of the rumors regarding vaccinated soccer players collapsing? Do you think there's a correlation or is it more anti-vax talk? I suspect it's more correlation, correlation meaning it's not caused, it's caused by the vaccine and it's a anti-vaxxers love to share these stories. Athletes drop dead all the time because they have these undiagnosed cardiac things. Now, could it be possible that one of them got myocarditis and had an arrhythmia, yeah, that's possible. But you really gotta study that, right? You gotta really look, because just because some anti-vax site says, it, says it's true, doesn't mean it's true. And believe me, believe me, they're actually incentivized to look at this. Uh, not perfectly, could miss stuff, it's true. I don't trust Big Pharma any more than you do, but they don't want, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> their kids are getting this vaccine, okay? That's the thing. This is not some esoteric thing. Everybody's skin is in the game. Now, it doesn't mean they won't screw up. So I get it. Um, thoughts on the new PPSD label that just came out saying uh, the heart stuff many like me suffered are all in our heads. Talk about gaslighting. Uh, my, yeah, I, don't, I have no comment. I don't know what that is, but telling, telling people it's all in your heads is probably not a good, uh, not a good move since everything is biopsychosocial, so everything is in our heads and in our bodies and in our society and in our communication with others. Um, hey, Michelle, another retreat survivor. How are you, doc? On the other hand, lots of vaccines have boosters, boosters that we don't think of. 
them as not working. So I don't really like when uh, you say it signals that they don't work, actually just don't know. Well, so there are vaccines that require three doses, right? That's not a booster. There are vaccines that require a booster years later because antibodies wane. The difference with this is antibodies do wane. So for some, you do need a booster. But what I'm saying is the messaging when you tell a young healthy person, you need a third dose, a booster, you need it. You should get it. And I'll tell you, Michelle, like you say that you don't think it sends this message, but I'm the one who gets the emails that say, this is the message I'm getting. Why should I even get vaccinated? The thing doesn't work. Or when are they ever gonna stop boosting, right? So you can talk about the other vaccines that have three booster precedents. That's all very true. But I think the way that this was messaged was wrong, but yeah. But again, you and I can certainly disagree on that and still be so freaking connected, right? That's what I love about the alt middle. Um, you're down the road from me too, girl. Mama Soto says, post-pandemic stress disorder is what they're calling it. Oh man. Now they got a name for it. Now they're gonna throw meds at it. We need to wake the hell up. Chris Lundgren, please answer. Much respect. How safe is mixing vaccines? I just took J&J &J and I'm having a hard time finding a J&J &J booster in my area. What if one was to mix uh, or stay with J&J &J and wait? Chris, don't wait. Just go get, uh, get one of the mRNA vaccines. Get Pfizer. It's a lower dose. Or uh, sorry, uh, booster is the same dose. You can get Moderna, which is half the dose of the standard Moderna. And there is data that shows that mixing with an mRNA is actually maybe even superior. So it's certainly not gonna be worse than getting another J&J &J, and it will be worse than waiting in the winter if you're at any risk at all. So, because J&J &J really probably ought to have been two doses anyways. So I wouldn't wait. I'd just go get any of the other ones. Just go get it. Absolutely, you can mix them. Absolutely. Um, again, I never say, I shouldn't say absolutely. The predominance of evidence so far says that that is not only safe, it's quite effective. So you'll be okay. Now that's presuming that you're not a, um, Chris, you're not a under 30 year old male at a high risk for myocarditis, but usually myocarditis happens with the second dose of the mRNAs. Um, but yeah, and usually if you've spaced it out as much as you have, that risk is even mitigated further, we think. So there you go. Oki Westbrook, supporter on Local, says, hey, maybe falling down soccer players have never gotten attention until now. Concussion rates are among the highest in football. So this is the thing. There's a lot of bias in how we look at data now, like all the stuff, like any symptoms you have, like people saying, I got tinnitus after the vaccine. Now, some of that may be a real thing. And some of it is like, you had tinnitus, bro. You just never paid attention because tinnitus is one of those things that is very sensitive to where our attention sits. And once you notice it, it's, not, it's, it's there. And then you become panicked about it. And then it generates more fear and then more tinnitus and more attention to it and so on. I'm not saying everyone with tinnitus, is, it, that's what's happening, but this is a, to illustrate the point of how our biases can happen. Oh my God, how long have we been talking? Um, hold on. Does it say here? Uh, an hour and 22 minutes? All right, guys, I think I'm gonna let you off the hook, although this was a lot of fun. Um, I gotta get to my family. It's almost 2 p.m. Pacific on 12, 12, 21. Um, I hope this was helpful for you guys. It certainly was for me. I was supposed to have our guest today, um, but I thought we'd do this anyways. And I called it Zendog because we did touch on quite a bit of 
present moment stuff in the middle of this talk, do me a favor. If you like what we do, just become a supporter, like zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And you can sign up on Locals, which is my favorite platform. It's off the social media grid. They take a tiny proportion of your monthly fee, which is five bucks a month or whatever you want to pay. Uh, above that, if you want to pay above that. Um, it's a beautiful tribe of people. You can post your own stuff there. I don't even need to moderate it because everybody's nice to each other because we're all supporters. We're self-selected. Talk about a bias for being alt-middle and being awesome and not getting triggered by politics and religion and all the other stuff. That's a great platform. YouTube is a great platform because you get this great high-quality streaming and I do live shows for you guys, just for you guys, um, all the supporters. And then Facebook is the other platform, which I love the supporters on Facebook. I hate Facebook, so... Don't do Facebook if you can avoid it. Um, I'm trying to wean off Facebook if I can, get to platforms that don't destroy humanity. Um, yeah, that's it. I love you guys. And if, oh, if you wanna just make a one-time donation to our cause our, of education and entertainment and wokeness, meaning spiritual wokeness, um, go to paypal.me forward slash ZDogMD. And if you make a donation there and leave a comment, I will respond directly myself by email. Um, so it's a way of getting my attention. So give me a penny and leave a comment. All right, guys, I love you so much. Have a wonderful Sunday. Do this today. Just try to, at any point or points during the day, inhabit the present moment. I'm gonna read you a, a text that Dr. Angelo DeLulo sent me today as a pointer. He'd be okay with me sharing this. He was trying to point me into the present. And this is what he said. He says, what if you, in every way you can, take yourself to the right now? Meaning everything, the entire collection of impressions and experiences as it's unfolding right and always now. Nothing at all left out, no matter how subtle. What if that is the gate. All right, guys. Until next time, I love you so much. We are out. Peace.